As we head into the 2023 Christmas and New Year's season, I wanted to leave you with this very important gift. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. I sure hope you're enjoying this 2023 Christmas replay series. In this next episode, please help me welcome Mr. Dave Steele. Hey guys, welcome back to the Standing on the Shoulders of Giants interview series. So, man off to my left here, um, some of you may know or may not know him, but after this interview, you will get to know him. So, I've called this the Standing on the Shoulders of Giants. So, tell you what, after today's episode, we are going to be standing on some pretty big shoulders and we're going to be see way out into the future. So, guys, Dave Steele, welcome. Welcome, Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. So, Dave, before we dive into all the details of everything we got going on here, um, first of all, thank you. Thank you for opening up your beautiful home out here. We're in West Vancouver and overlooking Ambleside Park and just this gorgeous place here. So, just thank you. Just wanted to thank you for making time for this conversation. My pleasure. And you have always been um, so generous and amazing and very, um, you know, open to help people. And, and you've always been very kind to me. Anytime I've ever had, you know, there's been some challenging times or some things or bounce an idea off, you've always have given me the time of day, which is thank you very much. And it just shows that, uh, that you know, you, you're good people. As we call in Saskatchewan and from the prairies, use good people, right? Yeah. So we're going to get into this. And, and um, I was sitting here and prepping for this, and I actually got a lot of you guys to provide some feedback for um, some questions. And we could go a whole bunch of different directions, but the main focus that we want to do here today is I broke it into three sections into it's actually my entire core business of what I do is I help people start grow and scale so that's going to be the, the conversation we're going to have today we'll obviously start with some starting talk about some growing and then how do we scale at that certain level okay so before we do get into it maybe Dave if you could just share with everybody a little bit about who you are um, your portfolio, maybe I'll, I'll just interject with some questions about your portfolio size, where you're focused, where you're buying, what your area of expertise is and things like that for if people have, don't know who you are. Cool. Uh, born and raised in Calgary, uh, went to the University of Calgary, had the distinction of graduating in the top 10% of the bottom third of my class every year. And 10, uh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> that won't make you figure out how many people were in my class and what number I graduated. Um, but was never great in school. Um, but you know, ended up getting out. I've always been an entrepreneur, had an entrepreneurial career my whole life. I had one job in my life for six months as a mortgage broker in Alberta, right after I graduated. Now, other than that, I've always started and operated my own companies. Um, in the last kind of a number of kind of generations of what we've done, but, um, had the same business partner for 25 years. He passed away about seven years ago. We were best buddies in university. And uh, we built a, a portfolio, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Fort McMurray, um, all across Ontario and all across the Western states. We bought about a billion dollars worth of real estate. And at the time, we were the largest condo converter in North America. So we would buy apartments and turn them into condos and then sell them off individually uh, as condominiums, mostly to investors. So that was, you know, quite a phenomenal. When was thing. this? What time, what time frame? Oh gosh, I'm going to say kind of through the nineties. Nineties. Okay. Yeah, kind of through the nineties. 
there's there's investors we meet now that have been born in the 90s. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, and it was funny, be, uh, just before Phil, my partner Phil passed away, we were both speaking at a, we were, uh, I was speaking at a, an Aussie Jurok event. Yep. And the person that was on stage after me was Janet LePage. And Janet finished on stage. And I thought, wow, what a powerhouse this gal is. 30 years old, um, computer scientist, just a really crazy way of looking at the world. Because yep. I'd say, how do you analyze deals? And she said, well, I just put them in the model. If they work in the model, we buy them. If they don't work in the model, we don't buy them. So I was like, well, I, I got to see this model, right? Yep. I've been in this business a long time. But it was very, you know, thinking like a computer science, it was very binary. It was zeros and ones, right? Either it works or it doesn't work. It's not like the amount of time you spend. Oh, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? It was like, hey, it works or it doesn't work. Um, so she brought us an apartment building uh, and she needed to raise $300,000 to buy the apartment building. And she said, you know, would you like to put up the money? And I said, went for lunch. I said, yeah, I'll put up the money. And she phoned me that night at home and she said, look, I've given it some thought. Um, I really want you to invest in this apartment building, but I don't want you to put up all the money. I want you to put in a hundred and bring in two other investors to each put in a hundred thousand. And I thought, well, that's pretty ballsy. Like, first of all, I've just offered you the money and now you're kind of taking it away from me. Yeah. And, and I said, well, why? And she said, well, cause I think we're going to make a lot of money on this deal. And when we do, I want, I want your other investors. Yeah to want to participate going on. Oh, smart. So it was very smart. So that was the first deal we did. That was six years ago, and that was in Phoenix. Um, it was a 28-unit building, and nine of the units were vacant, and they had stolen a fridge out of one unit to make the other one rentable, a stove out of another one to not make it rentable. And so when they sold the building, they sold it based, because they could only show the cash flow of 19 of the 28 units having income come in. So we paid the price as if we were buying 28 units, yep. but only with 19 units worth of income. So we bought it, immediately put appliances in all the units, immediately lifted the building. They had painted the building on their own lime green. And, uh, and so when I brought Janet to sit and make the presentation to the other two investors that were gonna come in, uh, I had no idea what she was going to say. I just said, here, go tell these guys about the deal. And she let's said, see, let's see what she's going to Yeah. And so <laughs> she stands up and she says to the guys, she goes, yeah, this is unbelievable. She says, the way we're going to fix up this building is we're going to get all the cars in the parking lot that don't have tires on them. We're going to get them towed away. And that'll make the, that'll make the level of the building look better. And I thought, oh my God, this is just insane. Like you, you can't say that's the value add in the deal. <laughs> Anyhow, sure enough, we literally towed the cars away that didn't have tires on them. We repaved the parking lot. We painted the building a nice color instead of the lime green. We put nice signage on the building. And, you know, we, you know, two years later, we flipped out the building and we made like 100% on our money. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal deal. So that was the first deal we did. That was six years ago. Yep. And since then, we've bought uh, 70 more buildings. 70 buildings, not seven, units. Seven, seven zero. zero. Uh, we've bought about 16,000 apartment units um, in Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Atlanta, and Phoenix. Uh, two years ago, we became the second biggest apartment owner in Phoenix. So there's only one guy, and I think he's got, you know, 25,000 units yeah. in Phoenix. So we probably won't ever catch him. But we've, we've really taken the model of how do we buy these buildings, fix them up. And in six years, we've raised 
just under 600 million US. 600 million in rate capital raise over how many investors? Uh, well, we have 1,200 high net worth yep. investors, so accredited high net worth investors in Canada and the US. And then we have a number of large family office institutional investors who put in, you know, we have one guy who's invested 125 million with us. We have another group that's invested 25 million. So we've ended up, we call it channels. We've yep. created channels of high net worth people who go, hey, we're going to buy 10 of these a year. I'm going to give you $25,000 a deal. We have other groups that go, hey, I'm going to buy 10 of these a year. And they give us, they say, I want to allocate $2 million. So they give us $200,000. So it's, it's really been able to, you know, do it across a, a yeah. long period of time. But the crazy thing is, is it's exactly the same formula. So, you know, you asked me kind of a lesson. Yep. First lesson I would say to anybody is, you know, there's two ways you can look at real estate. First way you look at it is I'm going to go buy some properties. I'm going to do something. The next way is I'm going to go do something. And that's something I do. I'm going to do it over and over and over. And I'm going to do it programmatically yep. so that people be, you become known for that thing. Yep. So, you know, in our case, we bought 70 buildings. Um, we, of, of, we've sold 30 of them after 30 months of ownership and running it through the value add system. Yep. And on those 30 deals we've sold, our investors have an annual average return of 30% per year. So I'm afraid to sell anymore because right now we're at 30, 30, 30. And I can explain it so well that, you know, it's, it's just a nice, easy way to do it. Well, the 30 cubed. The 30 cubed. <laughs> wow. Well, holy moly. Um, so needless to say, in six years, you guys have been busy. Crazy business. Right. Now, but I'm gonna, there, there's actually a gap there. I, I want to I fill in a little bit of that gap. So six years ago is when you really went on a tear um, with your new business partner, Janet LePage, which I'd love to get on this episode as well. If you can put a good word in it. You betcha. Get, get Janet on this as well. But, but between, there was a gap between the 90s and essentially six years ago would be 2013, 2014. What, what was in between there? What was, what was going on in that time? Well, you asked me earlier to tell you one thing that yeah. people don't know about me. Yeah. Uh, 20 years ago, I retired for six years. 20 years ago, okay. 20 years ago. So my kids were kind of 10, 11, 9, 10, 11. Yep. And uh, my partner, Phil, was in the States and he was calling me, Dave, we're buying a building in San Francisco. I got a deal under contract in Portland, Oregon. We're looking at this deal in Seattle. Will you fly down? I want to do this, this, and this. Yep. And my kids were playing hockey. They were playing soccer. They were doing all these different things. And I kind of hit a point where I just was like, I was way more interested in spending yep. my time with my kids. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to make a big mistake here. I'm going to be in the middle of a deal. And I'd rather go to my kid's hockey game than fly down and look at the deal. Yep. So I said to my partner, look, I'll put up some money with you to invest, but I'm, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm out. And I you took, I took, uh, took six years off. Uh, nobody believes it, but I watched Oprah every day. Um, so it was kind of a, kind of a highlight of my life. And I used to go to the gym and then all my friends would call, all my friends would call me and they'd say, Dave, I got this deal. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, okay, which part of I'm not investing. <laughs> I'm not coming on your board. I'm not working for, but Dave, how about just one day a week? No, I'm not doing anything. So I found it very refreshing because it kind of gave me a very good perspective around you know, at some point here, I'm going to retire. What do I want to do? Yeah. Could I golf five days a week? No, I couldn't golf five yeah. days a week. I'd lose my mind. Could I golf a couple of days a week? You bet. So, so going through that process was really, really good. And then, um, you know, sure enough, about five years into retirement, I started taking meetings and listening to proposals yeah. and 
next thing you know, we were kind of back at it. Full, the, the, full you, you fell back in love again with the deal. Correct. Right. And, and, you know, guys, I, I teach this all the time. It's funny. I did a webinar for the group um, over Christmas of 20 years of lessons. And there's been, it's a marathon distance. Guys, you got to pace yourself. And there's comes time where you have to fall back in love again with what you're doing. Like you can't, you can't be always up and always on fire and always going on 12 cylinders. You need to take some breaks. Well, it's a real phenomenon. I noticed that, you know, people in their fifties, mid fifties, it's like, they know they're going to have one last run here yep. and, you know, maybe they're going to work till, you know, but, but it's like the, a lot of people I know in their mid fifties now are, are back after having, you know, slowed down a bit, but they're back now working like they were 18 year olds again. Like they're just full board. They've got something that's yep. exciting, you know, and again, and I look at, you know, I look at what we do. I have, the, I, I honestly, I have the easiest job. My job is I raise the capital. So I deal with, I deal with our larger clients. I yep. deal with different channels. And, you know, operationally for me to be able to do that, I have to be very connected to what's going on in the properties because, yeah. you know, because if you really take it, whatever, whatever you do to raise the money, you can only raise the money if you've got something unique about what you're doing in the business or something that you believe or you are doing better than anyone else. Yeah. So from our perspective, I have to go to bed every night knowing what are we doing with the property management systems? What am I doing to get rents? What am I doing to advertise for tenants? What am I, what am I getting the property managers to do that no one else is doing? What am I doing to my properties that yeah. no one else is doing? So as soon as I feel really great about that, because I know it's working, then raising the money, you know, raising the money super easy. Yeah. So, so what, what was it that saw and you saw when you met Janet and you saw that presentation that kind of, was there a, a reignition of wanting to fire on all cylinders or was it just something that you just want to get back into? Like, was there a moment or was it just kind of enough as enough as enough? Oprah's, Oprah's retired. It's time for me to come out of retirement. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't really know. All I know is that, you know, the, 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 you know, the first reaction is we live in our world yep. and my, her world, she came and said, Hey, I think there's this opportunity to buy apartment buildings, 1980s type apartment yep. buildings and fix them up. And, you know, having been in the industry for so long, the first reaction was, yeah, no, that's been, been done. done. That's, it's yeah. been done. There's yeah. no opportunity. You can't make any money doing it. And then it was like, hey, let's sit down. I'd love to hear what you have to say, right? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing you got to do is you got to beat your own barriers because your own barrier is probably stopping you. Yeah. So, so as soon as I sat down and listened, and then I realized, hey, there was a whole bunch of different approaches that yeah. she had. Hey, maybe, that, maybe there really is something here. And then, you know, much like any investor is going to invest with any, any one of us, I said, how do I do this and, and try it on a small scale? I've yeah. got nothing to lose. Now, same thing I say to an investor, hey, why don't you put in a small amount of money, dip your toe in, and by the way, you'll know in three months or six months of everything I'm telling you, I'm going to give you monthly financial statements on yeah. every property. I'm going to put it on a portal. I'm going to make the portal password access. You just watch how these properties, how the rents go up yep. month one, month two, month three, month four. And if you like it at month three, I won't even have to call you. You'll look at the numbers, you'll call me and you'll go, wow, how did this happen? Yep. So all I did is I, you know, not knowing it fell into the same thing. Hey, Janet, you know, here, let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, this is kind of a no brainer. Yep. Right. And so, you know, as in anything, you know, you got to find the jockey you know, we all bet, you bet the jockey, not the horse, right? And I'm, so, I'm laughing because the guys who are watching this will recognize some of the things, some of the sayings I've, I've borrowed of yours is bet on the jockey, not the horse, right? right? 
And so I looked at, I looked at Janet and I yep. go, Hey, here, here's somebody who at 30 years of age was one of the youngest people to ever make director level position at TELUS. Yep. So in a corporate world, you know, she had a whole, a whole bunch of skills that were corporate level. Yep. Those aren't my skill set, right? So again, it's a lot of it is how do you look for things that are significantly different from you? I'm, I'm very good at the money raising. Yep. I'm very good at simplifying the story, yep. right? Um, and then there's a whole bunch of things on the operational level that I just don't enjoy doing that Janet's really good at. Yep. So the first thing is, is you, is you need an honest self-assessment that says, hey, what are the things I really like to do? And how much time do I spend doing them? And then how do I, how do I surround myself with that other talent, yep. right? Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not trying to blow sunshine up your, you know, skirt here at all, but you're one of the most gifted presenters I've seen too of, of, of getting in front of a room full of people and just being yourself and just uh, honest to goodness, if you see one of Dave's presentation, it is, it's like a stand-up comedy show almost. It's like you, you, you get people to send you all these jokes and you just build in a perfect little punchline into this, into teaching something. And then when people are walking at the end of it, the people are just on a, on a high note and people want to work with you. Right. Did you, did you learn that from anywhere or was it just something you picked up or? You know, I just found that everything in the financing world is complicated and people make it way more complicated than it needs to be. And so the real question is, you know, how do you, how do you take down the story? How do you take down the story? Hey, real estate's a good thing to invest in. But if I show you charts and graphs and appreciation and mortgage pay down, am I really getting the story across? You know, if I, if, if I can simplify the story. And so, and, and again, most of it isn't using really complicated, um, complicated financial terms. The other thing that's quite interesting is that people think, oh, if I deal with accredited investors, yeah. accredited investors are really smart. So I have to have all this financial savvy. Mm-hmm. Accredited investors are just like all of us. Yeah. We're, they're no different. They're doctors, they're dentists, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they're, they're, they're business people. They're not any different. And if you, and they want it simplified as well, because chances are they're going to, they're going to leave and they're going to go share your story with 25 other people. So if you've made it complicated, they're not going to do any better job explaining. Yeah. They, everybody has their own challenges at whatever level is. And somebody who's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, you know, has the same thing about, oh, geez, where, how how am I going to pay for the pool and this? And they don't have time to invest their money. That's where they come and talk to you. Right. Is that correct? Wow. Okay. So, so there's a lot of different um, avenues we can go down, but let, let's go back. Um, I, we're only going back about eight years now to the start of when you got out of university. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Um, so you had your first job as a mortgage broker. It didn't quite, didn't quite fit. It felt like a too tight of a suit, I would imagine at the time. Um, was there a bug that bit you? Like what gave you, did you, first of all, okay. Let me ask a better question. What gave you, did you believe that you could build a large in investment portfolio? And was there kind of a moment that was kind of like a light bulb moment that gave you a belief that you could do this kind of? So maybe a little differently. In yeah. university, I met Phil. Yeah. Phil and I were entrepreneurs. And every time we met, all we would sit and talk about was different businesses that we could start. Hmm. We would try things. We would do things. We, that's all we, all we decided. When we got out of university, uh, we were on a ski trip in the middle of winter and we were up on the Shushwap and we, on the way through Sycamus, BC, we saw these houseboats yep. 
we ended up starting a company, Three Boys Houseboats. And over an eight-year period, we went from no houseboats to 1,200 houseboats. We became, you know, we had the largest fleet. We actually got invited to New York to go on Good Morning America because when we went over 1,200 houseboats, we had the largest fleet of houseboats in the world surpassing the U.S. Navy. So, um, so it was a phenomenal ride. We were, you know, we started when we were 22, 23, and we did it till we were 30. Um, and it was, it was amazing. Like we opened up marinas and rented houseboats. Again, crazy enough, the same model. The model was we'd sell a houseboat to an investor and then we'd take the houseboat back, put it into a rental program and rent it out on their behalf. There were really good tax benefits at the time. The government, along the way, the government shut down the tax benefits. But, you know, long story short was, you know, we, we, we literally would raise our money. We'd go to boardrooms in Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver. We'd go to all the big tax accounting firms, yep. all the law firms, and we'd raise the money. And then we had a, a factory in Kelowna uh, and we built the boats. So we, we had, a, you know, 400 people working for us building houseboats. And it was amazing. And when we, so, so. What gave you, what gave you the gumption that at 22 that you could do this? Like, did did some, did you just didn't know you couldn't do it or just like? Well, the first step was that we, we were on the ski trip and yeah. we saw the opportunity to build, yeah. to build boats. I mean, we tried to rent them in yeah. the dead of winter and everybody was rented. We walked down on the boats and, and none of the boats met the standard that we thought. We were like, well, none of these boats have stereos in them. Yeah. At the time, they didn't have fridges. They didn't have childproof railings on the roof. So if you were to take your kid. They weren't good was, for partying. They weren't good for anything. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there literally was, oh my God. And the guy we were with said, hey, I could build these. Yeah. And uh, we never left Sycamus that weekend. We never made our ski trip. And we, I mean, my partner, Phil, were driving towards Vernon to go skiing and he turns off the road. He goes into this farmer's field, knocks on the door and says, would you rent us the Quonset hut? And the farmer said, sure gave him a deposit of $50. He said, guys, we have a place we can build our first two boats. And from there, we bought a marina. We got a, we got a, a government-backed loan from the Bank of Montreal. After we talked to 10 banks, they all said no. And so that let us build two boats. And from there, it just skyrocketed and took off. Wow. So, so you know, really we were- started to float. It started <laughs> to float. So, so, you know, it was a, it was a, it was, I mean, it's probably as much fun as you could have in your 20s. We yeah. just had a phenomenal time. Uh, we got out of that business in our 30s. Um, and, uh, you know, again, I was living in Toronto. My partner, called, Phil, called me and he said, uh, I was just out. I met a dentist friend of mine. He wants to buy an apartment building. And I said, uh, he said, do you want to put some money in? I said, yeah, sure. No problem. So uh, we bought a 12-sweeter in Lower Mount Royal. Yeah. Lower Mount Royal, one of the nicest areas in yeah. Calgary. Yeah. $26,000 a suite. Okay. So we bought it. We, we did our first ever fix it up. We ripped all the carpets out because it had hardwood floors. We put an awning over the front door. Um, we painted the windows on the outside. We cleaned up the landscaping. And before we even finished the renos, uh, a guy came along and offered us $38,000 a suite. Yeah. So we were like, Wow, well, it's great. twelve and twelve, one hundred and forty-four thousand dollars. So we're like, "Are you kidding me?" Of course, we'll sell it. So yeah. we sold the building, and uh, we sold the building, and you know, had this check. We were like, "Wow, this is this is we we just got to keep doing this." Hell, yeah. not ever thinking that today those units in Calgary are three hundred thousand a unit. You know, like you know, 
again, it, there's, you know, the, the other lesson is every piece of real estate you ever own, as bad as it gets, wait long enough, yep. and you're going to be just fine. Right. And mm-hmm. so, so that was, you know, so, so we did that and we just kept, kept turning through, turning through until eventually we got deals that were just too big and they were too large in size. And we said, okay, how are we going to raise the money to do this? And that's when we came up with the model. Okay, let's, let's turn them into condos and sell them off one by one as condos. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we ended up doing, you know, close to a billion dollars worth of condo conversions for about wow. 10 years. Holy moly. Well, guys, we're just getting started here. I'm going to do a quick reset on the cameras here. Yeah. And in the next segment, we're going to jump into a little bit more of the growth phase, like taking it from, you know, taking it from just the the starting hobby one or two into starting to grow our property. And then we're going to eventually get into some scaling topics. And we, we had a good conversation off camera about, you know, the right people, they need to have the right people in the place. So essentially the model I, I believe in is it, it starts as, um, it starts off as I, like I, we are all lone entrepreneurs. It's I, and then eventually there's a we, right? We have a few people and some team. And then eventually it's, it's them. And then eventually after I, we, them, then eventually you become like the consultant or the chairman of the, of the, of the whole empire. That's the path we want to get down. So we just do a quick reset and then we'll be right back. Guys, welcome back. I'm sitting here and we're, we're tiptoeing through the tulips of memory lane here. So Dave, Dave Steele here. Um, now, Western Canadian Property Group, or you have multiple different subdivisions and funds and stuff like that. But do you do go under the Western Canadian Property Group, or what is it? What is the you go under? Yeah, J- Janet and I in the properties with the the sixteen thousand apartments we've bought in the states yeah. called Western Wealth Capital. Western Wealth Capital. Okay. Western Wealth Capital, and I have a separate development company here in BC yeah. uh, that Jim Ferry runs, and uh, we we build purpose built rentals. Yeah. And we build a bunch of properties, um, rental properties for the government. Yeah. So and website, uh, where's the website if people want to go check you out? Where be Western Wealth Capital. Western Western Wealth Capital dot com. Um, but I'll tell you what. Um, I actually use. I'm just going to give you some props, and maybe you want to pass this on to your marketing team. I use your website as if people ever ask what's a good website to go check out on how to do this real estate the right way and raise capital and stuff. I use yours always because it is. It's, it's clear, it's on point, it's professional, it's got an entire marketing sequence of people coming in and lead gen into webinars, into field trips. It, it's just a, guys, I'm not telling you to, how should I put, Dave's marketing sequence he has is second to none. And I'm not telling you to go and waste his time by going through his marketing sequence, but it is a, a work of art. To watch how you just make people. a small investment. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's it's cheap. It would be a cheap investment. You actually will get paid to learn the marketing system. You think about it, and you guys are now launching a new app to to help with the investors and, and all that kind of stuff. So you guys are really on the cutting edge of taking things from just a, a hobby into a, a full scale business, which it is, right? Um, well, you know, it's interesting because if if you take the whole concept of capital raising, yep. A lot of people think of capital raising like, like it's this new thing. Yeah. It's not a new thing. It's a business. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter if your business is a restaurant business or a hotel business or a capital raise business. You just have to go and build it like a business. Yes. Right. And so, so the, the key thing, the first key thing is what are the major trends that are really happening in the world that are good for us? You know, there's a whole bunch of good things like there's private equity is becoming a big deal. You look at the big pension funds right now. 
Look at the teacher's pension yep. fund and CPP. So, you know, some of these have 35 or 40% of all their assets investing right now in private equity. What is private equity? Private equity is what all of us do. It's investing in real estate. It's yep. not in a liquid form. It's not like a stock you can trade on the stock exchange, but we're really in the private equity business. Yep. And the money's going in there because it has higher returns. The space that we're all in, that we're trying to raise money in, the big advantage we have is that it is generally a space that you can make more money than you can in other areas. Yes. So, so the big key is, what are the trends that are going to happen in your business? Because if you think of this, if you're in the capital raise business, what are the, the things that the trends that are happening that you can really take advantage of? Yeah. So one is the private equity trend. One is technology, right? The technology is changing. If you just think about this, if I went to sign you up to invest with me two years ago, I would phone you and I'd say, hey, Russell, I want you to invest. Great. I'll meet you at a coffee shop. Yeah. I'd pull out all the paperwork and we'd sit at the coffee shop. You'd read it over. In fact, the first time we went to the coffee shop, you wouldn't sign it up. Yep. You'd take it away and then you'd say, I'll meet you next Tuesday. And you'd come back, you'd have read it, you'd have all your questions. And we'd sit there and we'd go through line by line and then you would sign it. Yep. So I'd drive half an hour, I'd meet you for an hour, I'd drive home half an hour and I'd have to do that twice, yep. right? Now, technology, I send it to you via DocuSign you go click, 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 and you're signed up, right? If you have questions, you call me, you call me on Zoom, but, but the technology has completely yep. changed that process. And what it should change is it should change that process. So all that time it took us on the back end to get to sign clients up, we can allocate that time on the front end yep. to get new clients, yep. right? How do we find more people that want to invest money? Yep. Right? Well, let's just look at this. Even just what we're talking about here, technology, here we are on doing a three camera video shoot and we're going to distribute this out to thousands of people. The only way we used to be able to get education was on a cassette tape that used to be sent to us. If right. it was even that or a new paper newsletter, you got once a month that was sent to us. Right. right? So it's, it, it's completely changed the way it changed the game that we're looking at. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head about treating it like a business. And, you know, everybody has different businesses at different scales and different growth. Some people want to win the, you know, be Olympic champion. Some people just want to win their club tennis match, right? So everybody has different levels. And I think people are watching this because they want to elevate their game. And I'm a firm believer in two of the biggest things that you can do that make the biggest difference is focus on the raising of the money and focus on good deals. Um, other than that, and that's only if that's your skill set. If that's not your skill set, then you need to find somebody else to do that. Because I would imagine... Um, your business partner, Janet, would not enjoy being in front of a room full of people or, or talking to investors per se, but she likes the operations of the business. Yeah, she's, she's very good at it, but yeah. you're right. Given the choice, she, she much prefers, you know, shaking out the deal. Yeah. She much, much prefers, you know, tweaking the, the property management system or the reporting or getting the portal working. She's, she, that, that's much, you're right. Yeah. That's much more bailiwick. Because one of the problems is when she meets with investors, everybody throws things out. And because she's so detailed, right. you know, she, she'll, she'll go home that night and spend two hours looking over the spreadsheet. And I'll get an email from her at two o'clock in the morning just to say, yeah, you know, the question that guy asked last night, well, I ran it through the model and the model's right. And I'll be like, okay, 
why did you, why did you do that? And she goes, well, cause it drove me crazy. I wanted to know what the answer was. Yeah. So, you know, so well, sometimes we can be our own worst, not, not that it's an enemy. And sometimes we can overthink things too much, especially, you know, and guys, I, I may be dating myself. I mean, did you ever see the movie Tommy Boy with yep. Chris? The, 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 the older patriarch of the family, when he was selling things, he would talk about, you know, I don't have to put my head up the cow's butt to find out what the, what the steak looks like, right? You just tell them what the, how good the steak is, right? So maybe that's kind of the role that you play a little bit of just simplifying it down, putting into language that people understand. Put my head up the cow's butt. <laughs> Put your head up the cow's butt. Well, you're from Alberta. <laughs> yeah, and okay, how do we take that to car? <laughs> um, so perfect segue into, into the conversation here about, um, oh, before I do, I, I want to know what happened to the houseboat company. Uh, long story short, but they changed the tax act. Yep. We ended up selling it to the largest uh, recreational RV company in Canada, go vacation yep. and, uh, and got out of the business and went on. That's when we first. And then started buying apartment yep. buildings uh, together. Um, Philip, do you, your former business partner, do you do something to honor him now with a, uh, a memorial or a fund or something like that? Or. Uh, we haven't, we've, we build houses every year in yep. Mexico. We go down on the long weekend and we build houses yep. and, and, uh, we still do it with their family and our family. It's a, a great experience. And, yep. and, uh, we did it together for 15 years. And yep. so their kids, our kids. Um, so it's, it's that, that's kind of really the, the place that we've it's still very there. close, obviously. Yeah, very close. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So, okay. So now we're going to talk a little bit about growing. So growing and scaling are completely different things. Like I, I, just find growing is taking it from a hobby. I'm now into it. Maybe I've got 40 places and I want to take it to a hundred, right? So we're now starting to grow. Um, other than raising of the capital and finding good deals, what did you find was some of the success you had in taking it that level from hobby up to a serious business? Well, I mean, so the first thing I'd say is most people are at a certain level and they're doing it on their own. Yeah. So the first big decision you have to make is, do I want to do it on my own or do I want to go find someone to do it with? Yes. Because it's a great opportunity at that point to find somebody with complementary skills. Right. So you, again, fundamental decision. Do you want to partner? Or do you want to go do it on your own? If you decide, hey, I'm going to go do it now. I don't want to partner. I just am going to go do it on my own. What you really need to do is you really need to say, what do I want to be doing in the business and what do I not wanting to be doing? Still to this day, I keep a list and once a week on the list, I take three things that I keep on a list that I'll never do again. Okay. okay? So might be booking my flights. It might be, it doesn't matter what it is, but, but I'll do things that I'll go, that is a total waste of my time. And so I'll make a conscious effort to go and sit down with different people and go, okay, I did this this week. But just so we're clear, I'm never doing this again. Right. This isn't my job. I don't know how I got it, but it's, I'm never doing it again. Yeah. So, so for me, it's very easy. I know the things I like to do. I know the things I don't like to do. So if you're going to grow, you need to turn around and say, do I, do I want someone who's going to oversee the property management side, the acquisition side, the money raise side, the operations side, the accounting side? There's, you know, there's four or five yep. good buckets. And am I going to really find someone who might take two of those buckets or depending on your size, one of those buckets. Yeah. Um, and then what I, and, and this really becomes critical in my mind, both to the growth and the scaling is you want to find the person 
who's going to fundamentally change your business. Okay. So, you know, a great example for us as a company was we were getting to a certain size. I'm going to say we were about five or 6,000 units. We were at a certain size. Just and so flippantly saying five or 6,000. Right. But, <laughs> but when we were at a small number, five or 6,000, just like, it doesn't matter who you are. If anyone doesn't tell you five or 6,000, you, every number you stare at is a daunting number. Yeah. We're at five or 6,000. We see massive ability to buy. And now we're like, yeah. like, you know, how do we do this without one of us being there? Because our model works because above the property manager, for every 10 or 12 properties we have, we have an asset manager. Yes. So the asset manager visits the property typically every week. They check the signage. They look at the closing rates of the traffic through the door. Like there's 20 things they do where they rank every property. So if I have four asset managers and I have 40 properties and they're each managing 10, I have a number of metrics and I look at all 40 of those properties every week and I rank them. Mm. So it's very easy for me to say, because, you know, here's, here's Russell and he's number 40 on the list, right? He's the, he's got the worst closing rate of anybody on site, whatever it is. Now, people say, oh, Dave, I know why you guys rank them. Cause you're like Jimmy Pattison. You want to fire the worst person. Well, no, you rank them because at the end of the day, Russell probably doesn't come to work every day to do a bad job. So if he knows he's number 40 and he's doing things and next week you see him at number 38, then 35, and then 32, you don't really have an issue because it's moving in the right direction. But if someone's in the last spot and they stay there, then it's really easy to have the conversation with the property manager, right? Right now, what the property manager would say is, oh, you can't let Tom go, even though he's number 39 and he ne- hasn't moved any direction in a month. Tom's a good guy. Yeah. Well, Tom being a good guy and me telling my investors, hey, sorry, you're not getting any cash flow this year because Tom's a good guy, doesn't cut it. So you have to get the metrics so you can have a harsh conversation or a real conversation with the property manager and with the asset manager to say, do we need to change the staff? Do we need to do more advertising? Like, what's the thing that's going to move the needle on this property, yeah. right? So really, if, if you really think about it, pragmatically speaking, your business is really about, it's the people, it's a people business. And your widget is just so happen to be it's an apartment building. 100%. 100% people say to me, well, Dave, what's the best deal? I went and looked at it. I think that's going to be your best one. I go, hey, if Tom is the, is the leasing manager at that building, it's probably in the top five. If Mary is the regional manager, it's probably in the top five. Because, and if, if I won't name the asset managers because we have four of them, but we have four really good asset managers, so we don't have that big disparity, but, but we, we can look and go good asset manager, good regional manager, good, good onsite team. You're rocking and rolling. Right. And you operate your buildings better than everybody else. You actually shared a funny story. We were at a, an event and you shared, I thought it was just brilliant the way you, you shared it with me. And I'm going to prompt you because I hope <laughs> we can get it out. As you said, your acquisition strategy is to target buildings that have the worst property management company. Those are the ones you target to buy. And then you just turn them over to your operations, which is one of the better ones. It's, it's so true. Right. right? And, you know, and again, the lesson I would say to everyone, to, and to anyone here that has properties, again, doesn't matter if you have one or you have five or you, yep. you want to grow. People walk into the property management company and they say to the property manager, here you go, here's the contract. 
I want you to do it. Mm-hmm. We walked into the property management company and say, we'd like to give you this building. Here's 22 expectations yep. we have. Are, you, are, you, are we in alignment that you guys are going to do all of these things? Mm. Right? Because, because what drives me crazy is I'll come back and someone will say, oh yeah, this property manager, man, are they ever good at advertising? Yep. Do they ever have a good web strategy? Yep. Well, then let's take the five things that are good in their web strategy. Let's add it to our 22 expectations. And now we have 27 expectations. And the next property manager we hire, we're going to have a website that's going to have these three things on it. Yeah. Right? So, so again, it's all because now when I'm a month in or three months in or six months in and I don't like something that's happened, I need to be able to go back to the, to the expectations that got set with that property management company. Yeah with the regional manager and with the on-site team, here's what the expectation was. Wow. So it's, it's, it's ironic that, and most, and people might be nodding their heads watching this, that most people sit there and go, well, we can't wait to get rid of property management as fast as possible. I'm not saying we should do it ourselves, but then you, we advocate the responsibility by giving it to a manager and you're telling that's one of your greatest strengths is your uh, ability to operate the building. Well, the reason that I can raise money So I'll take it one step forward because I'll answer the second part about raising the money. So at four o'clock every single day on every property, I get a report from, from t- I think we have 45 active properties right now. So between four o'clock and six o'clock, my, my phone dings 45 times with the same report. Property had three people through on traffic. We got two leases. Here's what the old rate was, the new rate. Here's what, uh, here's how many are in the queue being renovated. Here's all the metrics on the property, right? So I don't wait until the end of a week or the end of a month and go, you know, hey, how'd it go? And then at the end of the month, when I call the property manager, I go, how'd it go? I have to dig through all this data to find out how many people did you have through, okay? But imagine what happened. Proactively set the expectations. Proactively set the expectation and said, if you want to manage this property, here's the daily activity report that we have to have. So now imagine what happens when a a property goes by for three days with no traffic. I don't need to wait till the end of the month. I'm on the phone to the asset manager with, the, with our VP of asset management. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. Do we need to up the advertising? Do we need to drive the signs more? Do we need to do more corporate outreach? Do we need to hire a new, new locator? Like yeah. what are the five things we're going to do? Because zero traffic for three days in a row is completely unacceptable. Yeah. Now someone says, well, I got seven traffic in a row for three days in a row and I didn't close a deal. Okay. okay. What's in the conversion model? Uh, then I got a conversion problem. So now all of a sudden I go, my rents are too high mm-hmm. or I don't have the right product available or I've got, a, I, I, I've got someone who, who doesn't know how to close the deals, wow. right? So, so, so guys, time out for one second. So when the way Dave, the way you just told that, now just imagine you're sitting across from somebody that has millions of dollars to want to invest. And that's where you're going to answer the next one about the raising of the capital. How much confidence do you have in Dave's ability to operate the business when he just tells you that all the, the systems that you have? That would give me good confidence to write a check and hand it over. But the full circle yeah. even goes more full circle because... It's even more of a circle? Well, it's even more <laughs> of a circle because he, if you really think about it, we're in a business that has some of the worst customer service. You know, they say job satisfaction yeah. of an on-site property manager is just slightly above a prison guard. <laughs> okay? So... Here's Mary and here's Tom and they're on the on-site team and they're cranking through and they're hitting numbers and they're converting and they're doing business. In every other world, 
they have no connection whatsoever to the owner. On the day that they get a lease or two leases or a $200 rent bump, now think about it, in our world, a $200 rent bump from converting a classic unit to a gold star, the math works out that one of our units that day on $200 went up by $40,000. So what I would say to you, Russell, if someone made you 40,000 bucks today, is it worth your time to click a reply to all and say, wow, what an amazing day, congratulations. And whether I'm the first to do that on almost every day on the 45 emails, there's two, three, four, five, 10, 12 reply to alls when there's a good day. So that we've taken the property manager, I'm not gonna say we've taken them out of the equation, but we've created this connection between the owners our asset managers and the on-site team where we're directly connected to the people on the ground. Oh. Right? And, and think about that for a second. Um, I, I know I'm not asking you because you're going to agree with what I'm going to say, yeah. but most time property managers, all they do is they just get, you know, pardon the language, they get crapped on all day long. It's just one problem after another, after another. Um, and then all of a sudden the owner comes along and the owner or the ownership team and the team says, you know what? Congratulations on a good job. If they followed the procedure, we do on-site victory yep. lunches. We go by, our asset manager goes by. If we have a, you know, we took over one property and we, we, the other thing we track is we track work orders. Yeah. So we look and we say at any given time on a typical 300 unit pro- property, you might have 20 to 25 work orders outstanding. We buy a property, it has 300 work orders on 400 units outstanding, okay? What does that tell you? That tells you that the reason we bought yep. the building was a good reason. Yep. The guy doesn't know what he's doing and he's really badly managing it. The problem is you don't get very long before the new tenant, the, the tenants don't know the difference between the old owner and the new owner. So you better get on it. So within about six weeks, the maintenance manager knocked that down from 300 to 30. So he brought in three extra guys. They went and, they went and you know, serviced the heck out of all the people. Again, bad customer service yeah. business. How do you do the customer service? So We got it down. Now it's in line with our metric of how many work orders. Now what do we do? We go to the guy and his team and we gave them each a $50 or $100 gift certificate for a TGI Fridays. Hey, thanks a lot. It's unbelievable what you did. Then the asset manager goes by with his camera, takes a picture of all of them, posts it and takes the photo and it gets circulated to every on-site manager at every property we own, including four or five different property management companies that he doesn't even work for. Yeah. Okay. So now this has gone virally to 45 properties with five different property management. It's gone to every single person in the loop. And now the emails are coming in. Hey, Tom, way to go. Fantastic. From people at companies that he doesn't even work for. Right. So, so again, it's, it's just all about you know, how do you kind of create more of a community and more, more of a, a feel good process where, where people get recognized? Cause, cause I mean, what he did, what he did in any, in our business, he moved, that was an absolute mountain he yeah. moved. And, and in most cases, the property manager would very quietly thank him. And in most cases, the owner wouldn't even know yeah. they, 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 they would have no interaction to really know that it happened. Well, you know what the irony of all this conversation that we just had is we're, we're talking like it's revolutionary that you treat, 
your team and treat the people really well and you have good customer service. In the business that we're in, guys, the bar is so low that you don't even, you just have to do the basics and do the basics well and you stand up about everybody else out there. Right. Right. So really uh, the tale of growth and how to grow is to really start knowing your product, um, taking care and start hiring people and getting people. Like what would you say would be the first full-time kind of people resources that you started putting into your business when you started growing at scale? So I'd say we, we chose really early on that there were really two very underserved customers, the tenant, yep. the resident in the building, and the investor that's given you the money. Because okay. in most cases, the investor gives you the money and then there's they get a, a long, statement once a year. They get a statement. You try to get out and have yep. coffee. Pretty soon it gets out of your hand. So what we do is we created a portal. We put the statements there every single month. We took before, during, and after pictures on takeover day. We started doing quarterly updates. We, did, we do investor meetings. So we did a whole ton of things because if you think about it, we're, in the, we're, not, in the, we're not in the money raise business. We're in the private equity business. And we're trying to raise private equity, which means you're competing with Scotia McLeod, Bank of Montreal, Nesbitt Burns. You're competing with them. And where they're beating us is they're sending our investors, same guy is getting this beautiful statement from Nesbitt Burns every single month, either online or in the mail, he's getting it. Now, he may not be getting a return, he may, he may be getting a crappy return, yeah. he may be getting no return, he may be losing his equity, but he's still getting out-communicated. Our industry is getting out-communicated. So again, if you raise the bar, and if you raise the bar here, You've got a constant stream of material that you can provide over here yeah. to show people what's really going on and why the property's really improving, right? And, and then you've got a communication way to make this person feel much better because otherwise they give you one investment and then every time you go back to them, you have to start at ground zero like you're selling your whole program all well, over again. I, I've never seen a position that way. Is really you, you chose two avenues. One, and it, Think about it. It makes sense. You chose the customer who pays the rent and you chose the investor that gives you the opportunity to buy the asset to keep moving forward and growing. Right. And that's the choice you made to make sure you took white glove care of those people. Right. And, and then, you know, if you will, the topping on the yeah. cake is, you know, Janet grew up in a small town, Castlegar, 7,000 yeah. people and woke up one day and went, oh my God, you know, we have 20,000 people more than 20,000 people living in our communities, what do we need to do? And so one of the first programs she implemented, which is brilliant, yep. is on the first day of school, we raise money from all the companies we do business with, plus we put in our own money, and we go and we get a backpack for every school-aged child with school supplies in the backpack. So you walk in, there's Dora the Explorer, there's Star Wars, and they're all laid out against the wall. Because a lot of these kids are, are going to school on their very first day without school supplies and without a backpack. So they get to come in, right? Now, again, if you think about it, for us as a company, we don't get great. We, we don't do it for promo because we don't even get the, we really don't get the promo mm -hmm. within the community. The people that get the promo in the community are the on-site property managers. Right. So for now, every time for the next, I don't know, think how long they're walking through that property and they see someone, their chest is pumped out. They got a big smile on their face. They've, they've done something really good for, for, 
for that family and for that for that child, yep. right? So, so you know, I, I forget the number, but it's you know, it's in the thousands that we gave yep. away this year, and you know, so it's now we just we just do it every single year, and it's it's a it's a really phenomenal way again to connect the resident yep. with the property management team, and by doing that, they end up with a good feeling about yep. us as the owner, which again. It's not even so much about the good feeling. It's the good feeling against no feeling with most of their previous owners. Most of their previous owners, two doctors that lived in Austin, Texas, two school teachers that lived in Sacramento, never visited the property. So they didn't have a feeling. They just had no, those people came once a year and their real connection was with their property management company. So again, we've tried to make this circle Here's the on-site team. Here's the regional manager. Now, take it one step further. What do you suppose happens in the lunchroom at the property management company when 25 of the properties are all together, 10 of them are Western Wealth Capital managed properties, and they're all talking about, hey, where would you like to work? Well, you're going to get the cream of the crop. Yeah. And that's that's, back to the being in a people business. The assets are the the house. Mm. Right. Okay, well, I do got to quickly reset the cameras here one more time. So we're going to re- quick reset. And then in the next stage of the conversation, I'm going to get into a couple tactical strategies that you guys do to add value to the property. Then I also want to um, get into conversation about what do you do for investors, the raising of the capital. And then we're going to get into how do you, you know, how would somebody scale this up into like 4,000 units in four, four to six years. So be right back, guys. We're having a, a fireside chat here with you today. <laughs> it wasn't so warm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we're, you know, I'm going to date this, guys. We're recording this in January, end of January 2020. So my birthday's in a couple days, right? It's one of those birthdays with a zero in the end. The ones that give you reflection time. <laughs> Sitting there, I said there, I had, I had a moment when I turned 30 that kind of changed the course. And my 50th is kind of feeling like the same one where it's time to change the course. And I actually sat down and a little bit of an aside here is um, my new mission is to impact a million people's, a million real estate investors' lives to help them buy one more property. And what does one more property mean? Everybody has their own number. Like somebody, in your case, one more property, if you bought one more property, uh, apartment building worth $2 million, you held that free and clear. There's a $2 million pension plan and say the net asset for you generates a $70,000 a year income stream. Everybody's one more property is a little different. And my goal is to impact a million people, to give them tools and resources and introduce them to people to help them buy one more property. So that's the new game I'm playing. Great simplified mission. Yeah. So it, and it's, it's a personal one. And, and here's the thing. And people ask, well, how are you going to do that, Ross? I, I, to be honest, I have no idea. Um, all I know is I need to become the person to be able to do that. So I have to work on myself first and it's going to mean getting out of my comfort zone. It's going to mean branching into the States. It's going to mean getting on bigger stages. It's going to mean meeting, uh, different people. It's going to mean elevation in my own game. No different than what you did within your elevation of this whole thing of buying properties. So enough of me, let's get back to Dave. So, so you guys have a very unique model of, and I saw a presentation you did. And I think you shared, it was almost like five. And I think you got a whole bunch of uh, tools in the tickle trunk about how you find ways to raise rents and cut costs 
and, and then in essence, raising the valuation of the building. Maybe if you just share a few of those, those strategies that, uh, are you remembering the presentation I talked about? I do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, the, the simple math is it's yeah. 200 to one, right? For every dollar of rent you increase, your property goes up by 200, 200 times. So if you get a $200 rent increase, your property goes up by $40,000. And that's basically just running it through the model and yeah. assuming a 6% cap rate. Okay. So stuff in the so state. So every dollar of savings or a dollar of increased revenue, a net Correct. dollar. Net right? dollar yeah. is 200 bucks, okay. right? So the minute you look at that, then you suddenly start looking, oh my gosh, we got a $50 rent increase today. You don't look at that. You go, I made 10 grand today, right? That property went up by 10 grand. Nice. So from our business, simplest way we do it is we look and we go find an out-of-town buyer. It's an out-of-town buyer. There's a pretty good chance that it's 50 to $75 below rent because what they've done is they've said, hey, I don't live in the city, but I like you, Russ. You're a good property manager. Please look after my building. Yep. Net effect of that is I can tell you with pretty much certainty, 50 to $75 a month below rent. Right. You're getting your five, six, 7% a year. The property manager's working to keep you 75%, 80. You know, the property management business, their job is to keep everybody seven out of 10 happy. My, my world is we don't live with seven out of 10. We live with 95. We want 95% happy. Half on Nine and a half out of 10. So how do we you know, what do we have to do to get out of that comfort zone? So the easiest place is generally rents below market. Yep. Then we look to put washer dryers in. You can get 50 bucks a month. That's 10 grand. Yep. We look to move the rents from classics, renovate them. And again, to give you a concept, uh, when we started the business, we could renovate a unit in 28 days. Yep. We can now renovate a unit in eight days. So we used to buy a building and hope we could do four or five or six a month. Yep. We now try to do eight, 10, 12 a month. So if we do 10 a month and we get $150, that's 30,000, 30,000 times 10, do 10 renovations, that building went up by 300 grand a month. Right. Do that over a year, that's three and a half million dollars. So the, the value creation becomes very programmatic because now all you're doing is saying, how many can I renovate? How many washer dryers yep. can I do? And how many, um, how many can I move the rents to market? Yep. Because you also can't just do it every single month, right? Come December, you, you may not want to move any rent increase right. because you don't want people moving out on Christmas Eve. Yep. So you've got a, you've got a, there's a, we have a lease management program where you want to drive the rents to the busiest times of the year. And so there's, there's kind of a whole formula around yep. it, but, but the real componentry is, is how do you get those? And then where else can you, where else can you drive things where else can you put technology in yep. to, to really make Yeah, and you, you even do things like once you take out the laundry rooms out of a lot of apartment buildings, you then repurpose those spaces, do you not? Yeah, so, you know, a big market is pets. Yeah. So, for instance, a lot of properties, the ground floor units, we'll put in a dog yard. Yeah. A dog yard costs us $1,000. We get $125 per month yep. for somebody who, has a, who wants a dog yard outside of their patio. Well, $125 times 200, yep. 25 grand. I put a thousand bucks in, I got 25 grand. Yep. Now I have people living in the building that have pets. Yep. They're also paying an extra $50 more a month in rent. So I'm getting another $10,000 appreciation. So if I get someone to move in with a pet, that's $35,000. I've now emptied out all the laundry rooms because I put washers and dryers in every okay. suite. One of the things we do we put a dog spa in that room. Right. So there's a dog washing, dog drying station, you know, again. So now it's, now you're not just 
harshly catering to people with pets, you're really full on marketing. And when they come, they look at your property and they go, hey, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And they're, you know, they're a very profitable tenant to have in place. Yeah. Now, then you also, you were experimenting with storage lockers and Amazon lockers and things like that. Do you still do those or? Yeah, those are huge for us. I mean, we literally, you know, we literally put those in day one. You get anywhere between five and $10 a month per tenant, but you get them on every single person. So every time you sign a lease, you're getting five or $10. Yep. So, you know, you could put a, you could put one of the, those Amazon lockers in where they deliver the package and you punch the key in. Uh, you know, the property goes up by a half a million dollars just by installing. Wow. So, so again, what we do is we've just programmatically said, when we take over the building, day one, the new signage shows up, the new pool furniture shows up, we paint the buildings. People say, Dave, what colors do you paint the buildings? Recolor choices. We don't, we don't, you know, and everyone we take over, the new designer comes in, oh, we should paint it this color. No, we have three color choices. Pick one of the three or... If you want to propose a fourth color, we'll look at a fourth color, but it has to knock one of the other three off and right. become one of our new colors going forward. Yeah. Right? You don't drive along and see a McDonald's and it's different colors in every city, right? They're same colors, same seating. You go into the leasing office, all the leasing offices are identical. All the, all the computer stations in the leasing office, it's all done just so we can do it over and over. Because the key is you do it fast, yeah. right? If I can go do this, and I can show you that I can renovate this many units and put in this washer dryer and I can double your equity. Mm -hmm. If I do it in five years, I've doubled your equity in five years, you've yep. made 20% a year. If I can do it in three years, I've doubled your equity and you've made 33% a year. So, so it's really just about does the model work and then what's the speed that you and can And then execute. it's just the velocity of execution. Yeah, it's the velocity of execution without going so fast that you create, that you create tenancies, people moving out and you end up with, you know, lots of people in this business call me and they're like, Dave, I, I went way too fast and now I've got 25% vacancy and it's going to take me to ever to fill the building. Right. So you, you've got to get that balance of keeping the building full um, because the reality is people don't mind paying more rent if, you're, if they actually can see you're doing the work. Right. Most people go in saying, I'm going to go do all this stuff, start charging more rent and then they don't do the work fast enough. He's as good as their intentions yep. are. It takes a lot longer. And now you've just got to hold a bunch of disappointed tenants. Right. Okay. Well, changing gears onto that vein, like what is some of the strategies you do to separate yourself from the raising of the capital? Like, um, like what is the, you know, like you talked about, you're competing. First of all, you elevate your expectation not to just compete against other people in the industry. You, you compete against the Nesbitt Burns and the Raymond Jameses and that's who your competition is. By just elevation of your expectation, you already set a new standard. Like, what are some of the things you guys do for raising of the capital? We're going to take it from two, two standpoints um, of maybe like the finding of the people and the, and the qualification, and then also on the follow-up from there. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we've seen the first wave of technology that's really hit the yeah. sign-up of the, of the process. You know, I think there's a whole nother wave of Netflix style technology that's going to come where you're going to have platforms where all the information is there. Investors are just going to log on. They're going to tick the boxes as to that, that they have to be yeah. able to qualify to get in behind the, the curtain. But once they've ticked the boxes, the videos, the marketing material, everything sits there. And so, you know, then the only question is how full can you get the funnel at the top, right? right. 
you know, we're all dealing with a funnel of, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of people. But at some point, these funnels are going to have millions of eyeballs coming in going, this is really, this is, this is really just, here's where you go if you want to, Right. You want to have the pro- so you're going to have it more self serve as opposed to self pre- or somebody presenting it, if you will. Like Correct. you, you'll get on do one presentation, do your Shecky Green comedy routine, and then you'll have tens of thousands of people will self serve and watch it. Right. You you know again the same thing is you know it's it's I, I I'm known as the guy in the world for let's say I'm known as the guy in the world for rent to own or I'm known as the guy in the world for building infill properties or I'm known as duplexes in Edmonton, or I'm no, you know, everybody kind of ends up in that category. And then it's a question of, you know, how do you, how do you find more places where you can get out to know that? What do I want to be known as? I want to be known as the, I want to be known as the place you can put your money and you can understand exactly what we're doing. And you got a shot to make 20% a year on your money. And here's the formula that gets you there. And, and you look and you go, oh, I'm putting my money in I'm not going into Tucson, Arizona. It's not one of the 12 markets yeah. we target. If you want to invest, we're going to be in one of these 12 markets. We're going to target this. We've done 70 of them. We've exited 30 of them. Here's the returns we've got on the 30 we've exited. So people can just, they can just, so, so that story now, our story is very digestible. And I would say to anyone else who's raising money is get your story and say, what's the category you're in? Cause, cause we're all in the world of private equity. Mm-hmm. And now what we have to do is say, where on the shelf of private equity are we? Right. right? You might be, you might have a, you might have a, a, a borrowing fund that pays 12%. You may have a joint venture fund that buys suited single family homes in Kelowna. Mm-hmm. And you're, the only market that you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to buy or build brand new suited single family homes in Kelowna, Kamloops and Penticton. So that's your, that's your, that's your nice, simple story. You know, or you try to create this complicated story that says I'm all these different things yep. in all these different cities. And then every time you tell the story, you, you've got to make it a long yep. story. Now, I remember you, you ran through an exercise once of basically, and you, you challenged yourself and your company after been doing all these thousands and thousands of units, you challenged guy to the team goes, guys, what do we do? What is our, what do we do? And then you, you hone down your message. You might, I'm going to put you on the spot here if you don't mind. Like, if you were to give in a real quick, what is what your guy? What do you guys do? If you were to give that in a quick now, guys, what I want to do is this as an example. If you're watching this, how clean and clear you can get down the concise message. I mean, we're just real estate investing the way it should be. Yeah, it's just nice and simple, and it's a way. It's a way to take a chunk of your money. So, so two things. One is, no matter how great your presentation is, yep. no matter what you do. All you're going to do from any one person is get a chunk of their money. Yeah. Okay. I, you're still, you're still going to have a chunk of your money in the stock market. You're still going to have a chunk of your money that's sitting, earning interest, low interest that's sitting there in case a deal comes along that you have to put your money in right away. You know, so, so you're still probably going to have a chunk of money where you're going to buy your own income properties. But so now it's a question of, you know, a perfect example for us, prime customer for me is somebody who's 50 years old and probably sitting here listening and they've done this and they've done this a thousand times on their own and they just don't want to do it again. And now they're sitting there with a chunk of cash and they're sitting saying, hey, I like what these guys are doing. I like the exposure to the US. It sounds like they know what they're doing. 
it's understandable. If I want to do my due diligence, I can jump on a plane and fly to Dallas, Houston, yep. Phoenix, and go look at 10 of their properties, see how they do it. And by the way, what a great way for me to take a chunk of money and just, and put it to work, right? So, so the, 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 the big thing is, is that you're, you're only going to get a chunk of people's money. And so it's, it's really just getting that messaging across and, and not presenting it in such a way that you think you're going to get this crazy amount of money. It, to me, it's, it's not a crazy amount of money from any one or two people. It's more, it's just very broad based. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I often say that most people want, you know, people want the end result. Like, and, and if at all possible, people don't have to want to do all the work to get the end result. Right. Like if I could sit here and go, I could do all, and, and I make the, the analogy a lot of times with a lot of people, this is more in Ontario, where people, in order to find cash flow in properties, they have to buy a property, um, and then they have to go through the process to convert it into a duplex. That to go through all this time in order to just end off at the end with a property that cash flows five, six hundred bucks. Or just go buy something that already exists, it's already brand new, it's already constructed, or invest in a in a fund and you're gonna get the same kind of return with no work. Right. In essence. Like that's the the end result game you want to play. Right. And I mean, even in BC, we build brand new condos. We're building brand new condos right now in Victoria and Langford. And you know, exactly the same thing. They cash flow hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollars a month. And it's, it's just shocking how many people are just, just looking. And in a lot of cases, you know, you, you go, what's the real need you're filling? The real need you're filling is you've got people that have money and they realize they're not going to get their kids into the market they live in. No. So they want to get them into real estate. So they're going to use this to find a $275,000 one bedroom no. or a $350,000 two bedroom that they can get them into the market. It's yeah. nice and safe. They're rented for 1400 or 2000 a month and they can get them in the market and go, Hey, those are good growth markets. Yeah. And boom, I've got, I've, so, so when, you know, the need that you, the need we think we're filling is different than the need that's yeah. really out there. Okay. Um, so next l- line of question, and we'll go down this one here. And we, this is something we talked about off camera a little bit. We started going down it, but we didn't go down it. We are talking about adding the people resources to the team to start scaling it. And you shared a wonderful story that you were already up to, you know, you know, say 60 apartment buildings. And then you, you brought in somebody else into the team that had a completely different perspective that changed the, you know, changed the, the trajectory you're going. Maybe share that story. Yeah. And I, I mean, the lesson from it is, is whatever you're going to hire spend a lot more time thinking about who the person is that you really want to bring in that's going to change your game. So focus more on the who, not the what they're going to do. Correct. Okay. Go find out who the person, like if I wanted to go figure out someone that could do podcasts and build a community, you would be right at the top of my list. So we're sitting there, we've got a bunch of units, we've decided we've got an opportunity to add a bunch more. (laughs) We start looking around and we go, hey, how are we going to do this? We find a guy in Phoenix um, who we've since brought on as our executive VP of asset management. Um, and his previous job was he worked for Graystar. Now, Graystar owns and manages 220,000 apartment units across the U.S. Okay? okay. So his portfolio in the West was 32,000 units. So all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting there and we're going like, is he even going to want to leave what he's doing to come and work for us with 5,000 units? Like we're so far out of, I can't believe how did we ever get to 5,000 units? This is phenomenal. 
And then all of a sudden we're sitting there going, what, you know, how do we get him on board? Yeah, at 32,000. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, and again, great conversations, turns around, you know, mid-50s, wants one more, wants one more kick at the cat. He's yep. going to do one more big thing before he retires. Loves the idea of an entrepreneurial business, loves getting involved. We come to a deal, you know, he's on board. And now, like, all of a sudden, every door you can imagine yep. in the property management world opens yep. because we're on the inside opening the door, not on the outside trying to figure our okay. way in. And then you said he was also then starting to introduce you to people that you wouldn't have gotten into those introductions. You shared with that one lawyer. Yeah, 100%. Share that story, maybe. Yeah. So, he, you know, he connected us with a, you know, he connected us with a lawyer and a law firm who's, you know, who's raised, you know, three and a half, four billion dollars. So all of a sudden it's, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, again, how, if, if you go at it that I'm going to, I don't know how to do property manager. So I'm no. going to go hire somebody and I'm going to make them my property manager. No. Then, then there's no growth. Like you, the, they're going to look to you for the growth, like you're the expert. And so, the word I use is the game changers. If you want to get out of your number and, and I, you know, I'll tell you, if you, if you talk to Janet, myself, you know, the sleepless nights we had like, oh my God, what have we done? Yeah. We've just, you know, we, we have, we have layered on the jet fuel to that, that now, now, but then you turn around and you go, Hey, I can go and add X thousands of units. And I literally don't have to spend any of my time yeah. wondering if we can absorb them. Well, I, I don't have it. I don't have a, oh my God, I don't have the capacity to do that. Right. So you, you sit there and, and good for you for, for, for a couple of things, not letting say your ego sit there and go, well, I've, I've built the houseboat company and I've done billion dollars here and I've done all this of not saying, well, I know everything and why do I need to bring somebody on? You still at the level you were wanting brought on somebody that's, you know, quote unquote dwarfed what you've done up to this point. Right. So just, I guess as a, as a leader, that's what we have to do it from time to time. Well, I, again, you, you, if, if you want to make the jump, the jump's going to yeah. be, the jump isn't incremental. The yeah. jump is, you know, and I think the great saying is, you know, if you want to get from one island to the other island, you can't straddle it. You got to leave that island behind and go to the new one. Yeah. So, you know, for us, for us, you know, it's a, it, you, we got committed to saying, hey, you know, where, where's the real hole in the business plan? Is there really growth here? Yeah. The growth is, we need to make sure we've covered off the asset management. And, and usually in any entrepreneurial journey and success story, typically the founders have to step aside and let somebody who's an, like a CEO role come in to take the ship to the next level, right? Uh, is that where you maybe you're feeling you're at now or are you still hands-on and in it? Like, where, where, where are you in the process? Um, you know, great question. We literally, the latest hire we just hired is we hired Rob Malley, who was the, you know, in a prior life was the CFO of Van City. So, you know, so again, what we've really tried to do is we've really just tried to beef up the key areas, sure. right? How do you, how do you get, the, how do you make the reporting better? How do you get the financing to go smoother? All, you know, all those things that are financial. So, you know, so, you know, I, I don't, you know, Janet's 37, yep. so she's definitely... She's definitely, you know, into building this. I'm, I just turned 60. So I'm probably, I'm probably not as, I, I probably won't be around as long, but. Isn't it? 40 is the new 60. Yeah, 40 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's still a, it's still a, you know, it's still a fun ride. But again, part of, part of what I believe is if you want to keep it fun, yep. 
you've got to keep it fun by knowing you've got the horsepower, particularly in the areas that you're, that you don't want to do. Right. And it's all about the people and the building of the team. And truly, you can only grow it to as much as you grow yourself in the process. Right. Okay. Right. Holy moly, there's a whole other avenue of questions I could go down. But if you go right to the beginning, if you go right to the beginning, which I think is probably going to be the most common question, like I'm at this number of units and I want to get to here. The only transfer, hey, I hired the CFO of Fan City. That that just sounds like, oh my God, I I have 20 units. I'm not going to go hire the CFO of Van City. But the point in it is that for us, that's way out of our comfort zone of what we thought we would hire for the position at any point. You know, it feels like it's, even today, it feels like it's out of, you know, we sit here some days and go, you know, why would he leave and what not leave, but Mm -hmm. why would he join us to do that? Right. So the point is, is if you're not having that conversation about the hiring of someone critical, then that's the conversation you need to have. If you really believe I'm going to go from 40 units to 80, I'm going to go from 40 to 60, or I'm going to go from 40 to hundred, you better be having the conversation. How can I afford this person? How can I how can I compensate them? How am I going to do this? Because yeah. I, I don't know that I can afford them. But the or other side is, them. but th- that yeah. you're exactly if you, right. If your goal is to grow. If your scary. goal is to grow. And, it, and it, it might force you to the heart-wrenching decision of, you know what? 40 is good. 40 yeah. is good. I don't need to get to 60. I don't need to get to 80. Yeah. Right? Well, that's, that's where you probably have that moment of reflection to determine if you're all in or not to the next level or not. Right. And some people at that time, maybe it's just, I'm good. I'm going to enjoy Hawaii. I'm going to go golf. I'm going to take six years off and watch Oprah. <laughs> right. And then there's got to be another, you know, there's got to be the fire and the hunger in the belly to, to go forward. Wow. Okay. So I have a couple batteries to change on a camera I see, and I, and we're just getting rolling here. So the next line of questioning we're going to roll into here, I want to ask into more into what's next for you like kind of what is next and you've you've been there done that and um a couple philosophical questions the other one is i want you to share the story i remember you shared shared once of an early lesson you had when you were at an eo group an entrepreneurial organization group and you were sitting beside somebody in a miss it was a missed opportunity remember that story i do no i want you to share that in this next segment okay right okay be right back guys All right, guys, welcome back. So truly blessed and honored to have uh, Dave here. So if I do forget, I know I mentioned at the beginning, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time. This is, um, this is an incredible gift that you can offer to a lot of people. And usually in the last segment, uh, I get a little, uh, you know, we're going to have the, uh, an Oprah moment here, maybe. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I imagine you've, uh, you know, you've been there, you've, you've done that, you've houseboats to uh, condominiumizing apartment buildings to, um, you know, 70 apartment buildings in eight plus years. And, uh, and now that you've maybe have had a chance to kind of reflect back on this, like, what's, what's next? Like, what is next for you in this, in this game? So... The challenge, I think, is getting off the horse, right? Because you get off and then you decide, ooh, I feel like yeah. I want to get back on. There's no more Oprah to watch. Yeah, right? well, and, <laughs> the, you know, once you're off, you're, you know, you're probably off. Yeah. So the commitment I made about two years ago is I take a month off a quarter. Okay. 
So I, I don't do it usually straight all in a row, but I, but every quarter I, I diligently book my calendar to make sure I'm not working one month a quarter. Um, and that's been, that's been great. So, um, you know, my, probably my guess is that over time I'll extend that out a little bit longer. Uh, you know, and again, that's part of, that's part of, from our side of building out the team and really having a team of people that, uh, you know, are going to, are going to keep it going long past, yeah. uh, long past my involvement. Nice. And, and so, so, um, I, I'm a big fan and, and I believe in, it's not about the money that we make in this journey. It's not about, you know, things, it's about the lives we impact and it's about the people we touch. It's about how we can contribute and give back. Um, what, what are your plans to make an impact? You know, I imagine you don't have to do this anymore. I imagine, I would imagine. Um, but what is your, your goals and to make an impact into other people's lives on, on a go forward basis? Well, you know, I, I mean, that's a really great question. So the, everything that we do with the backpack program, we do something where we choose one tenant uh, every December in every building and we give them a rent-free Christmas. So we go to all the property managers and they nominate families that are, you know, one lady this year, her husband died of, passed away of cancer in November, three kids. And so, you know, we, we consciously go and try to find, again, how do we, how do we do something more in the, starting with the communities we're in? And, you know, again, what it's really done is it's taken, you know, the, the big goal of our company is you, you quickly lose sight. Oh, I want to get to 5,000 units or 10,000 units or 20. Like th that, that quickly loses its excitement. Um, and cause quite frankly, most of the time, I don't think any of us really even really know how many properties or how many units we have 38 buildings, 45 built. Like it's not a, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but you don't sit there and, and really fixate it on every day. But really what it's become about is that the more we do, the more money and the more freedom it gives us to take that money yeah. and actually do more do better things with it. And so that, that's really been, that's really been a big function of, of, and, and with that, again, you know, I keep talking about the full circle, but with that, it just brings so many more people into the equation because so many more people enjoy working with us, want to be part of the company, want to become part of the growth because they see that the more we do, the more we're able to now, help in all these. Yeah, areas. you don't you don't attract the talent that you're attracting by not making an impact in people's totally, lives. Like, totally, you, you and, really don't. Yeah, and we really do live in a world today where where, it, you know, again, if you had have told me at the beginning, you know, the the first time we gave away the free rent, yep. we had a long discussion saying, "Wow, what about you know what about the investor who's who's just that focused on the money and yep. the returns we get?" Saying, you know, you know can you really go ahead and do that? And, you know, you, you can completely substantiate doing it from even any financial metric. Like financially, it makes sense to do it because it's just such a goodwill gesture yeah. within the community. But, but more importantly, it really is, it really is saying, how do we completely transform the way the property management and the rental apartment business is being done. Right. Right. Because lots of other companies have transformed their industries doing it. And, you know, real estate's always been a business that's much more about dollars and cents. Yep. And, you know, one of the things Janet loves to say, and I just love it, is she says, you know, we don't do, we do business on term sheets, but not term sheets alone. We do business on human terms. 
And so, you know, th- those are the things that really resonate with people. Nice, nice. Um, and I, I teased this part out in the last segment just before we went in there. It was um, a story that you shared was actually, it really, it really was a very valuable point about um, missed opportunities. If you don't mind sharing that, I'd love to hear that and share that with everybody. Uh, yeah, so we were, um, I was in San Francisco as part of an entrepreneur uh, organization and we had our annual conference and I was there. And, um, and my buddy and I were sitting around and Peter Thomas came and he said, um, who's Peter Thomas? Peter Thomas is the founder of Century 21. Okay. So uh, so. very, very, very prominent, (laughs) very prominent Vancouver, uh, uh, real estate guy. Very, very prominent, done extremely well. And, uh, he said, guys, I'm going to, um, I'm going to San Antonio. I've got my private plane. Do you guys want to come to San Antonio? I'm buying this piece of land. Uh, and, and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to develop this piece of land. It's near the, the sea world and I'm going to develop this piece of land. Do you guys want to come? And I looked at my calendar and I had a couple events going on the next day that I had to be back. So I said, geez, I'd really like to come, but I got to go to Calgary. I got to fly back. So I got in the plane and I flew home. My buddy got in, got in the plane, the private plane flew there, invested a million dollars that literally became $10 million. But I didn't invest yeah. because I was too busy to get, because I had to get back to work, right? So, you know, what's the lesson, yeah. you know, other than I'm an idiot, yeah. the, you know, the lesson is, you know, you know, don't be too busy to go back to work, right? Most, most of our money we make, we don't make in the office, we make somewhere outside the office where a great idea hits us. And, yeah. and so. Well, and if you actually just think about it back, um, you and Phil, so do Phil or Philip? Do Phil. Phil. Um, if you guys maybe didn't have that same class together, was it an economics class or something? What was the class? A business class. A yeah. business class. Yeah. Just imagine if you had different classes or something, you may right. never, ever met each other. You would have never had that trip to Sycamus, which would, would have never gone skiing. And it, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a mind blower a little right. bit, but I think you had it always in you, some kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah. I think, you know, generally entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you believe they're born or are they created? I don't, I mean, you know, I've seen so many different, you know, you, you meet the hardcore born for yeah. sure as an entrepreneur. Um, but you know, again, it, you know, if you think about it again, it's a, you know, I talk about, I talk about private equity as this thing that's evolved in our lifetime. Private equity in the real estate world literally didn't exist a decade ago. Yeah. There were all these things. No one knew what to call them. They called them alternatives or I don't even know what they call them. If I gave you, if I gave you 10 grand and invested in, mm-hmm. in a mortgage deal, you know, it, there was no real name for it. Right. So, you know, so same with entrepreneurship. I mean, entrepreneurship and starting your own business today compared to 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, it's evolved into this very normal thing that it, you know, yeah. 30 years ago, you know, if you were an entrepreneur starting your company, you were, you were a wacko. You were, there were, there just, there just weren't that many people doing it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, what advice would you give? So I'm going to paint the picture here quickly is there's, there's this young gentleman sitting in this chair over here, you know, just about to embark into the university of Calgary, you know, full of piss and vinegar and, and head full of dreams, the young Dave Stale at 18. What, what advice have you had an opportunity to give advice to your 18 year old son? Now I know you have a, you have children of your own and you have nurtured and given, and they're just amazing kids. Just, just as an FYI. Um, 
What advice would you give young 18-year-old Dave Steele? Uh, you know, the first thing is you got to find your, you got to find your passion, yeah. right? And, and, you know, it's, it's easy to say, just go do it, yeah. right? We're, you know, that's not great advice for people that, that aren't action takers and doing it, yeah. right? So, you know, I would say, first of all, you know, the people that are, that are connected with you, most of those people somewhere along the way have made a serious commitment that they want yeah. to go and do something. So, you, then I would say, you're right. Okay, now I've made this commitment and, I'm, and I put myself in this pot. So first of all, you put yourself in this pot, you're in, the, you're in a small percentage. Yeah. You're not in the 80%, you're in the 10 or the 20%. So now of the 10 or the 20%, there, what's the differentiator? The differentiator is, 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 is you've just got to go treat it just like any other business and you might have to raise money so that you can leave your job and go do this. You might have to, you know, lots of people raise money to go start a, a chain of ski, ski stores, right? Like, like it's no different than any other business, but, but you know, you just really got to get focused on what, what section of the real estate world you really want to yeah. be involved in, how you want to go do it, and then, and, then go, and then go set out and do it like a business. Right. Right? get serious about it and trade like a business. Right. right. Go build apartment buildings, yeah. go renovate houses, go build suited single family homes. But, you know, I think, I think you got to get a geography. I think you got to get a, you got to get a real estate type, like, you know, and, and I, I mean, I, I can remember, I can remember many times in my life sitting down with just little cards and I'd write all the different things on the card with a map. And I would say, okay, where can I go do those? Like the value add that exists in the U.S., it exists a little bit in Ontario. It exists a little bit in Quebec. It doesn't exist that much. It's very hard to do in B.C. because mm -hmm. of the rent evictions. So, you know, if I took value add and tried to plunk it into B.C., yeah. it's not that easy to do. If I took build new buildings, lots of places you can go build new buildings in right. Alberta. Yeah. Probably way more so in B.C. and Ontario today than in Alberta. But there's still places you can go build in Alberta, but way more so in BC. So, you know, again, I think you just have to say, what's the, if, if, if the business I want to be in is real estate, it, it's too easy to just say, I just want to go and figure out capital raising. Yeah. Because, you know, that's like saying to somebody, I want to open up a clothing store, but all I want to learn how to do is sell at the front desk. I don't care how to manage the inventory or pick, pick what colors to sell you know, you're really, you're really in it. You're in the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Well, and this next question is you have the benefit of, of being 40 years in of doing this. Um, now you make me sound old. 40 years away. Well, you started when you were five. <laughs> so, but where did you, did you go anywhere formally for training in business or was it just kind of the school of hard knocks or just like, where, where did you, I'm going to ask this question, just kind of where did you go to, to learn this? And then I'm going to ask you if there were some people that were influential that you maybe want to acknowledge that helped you on your journey. So where, where did you go on your journey? Uh, so I went to university yeah. and I was very, very lucky. About 30 years ago, a group of us started Entrepreneurs Organization. Vancouver was one of the founding chapters. In fact, we were the first chapter. EO. It, EO. It's not yeah. as young EO. Yeah. Yeah, different, yeah. yeah. And today there's 12,000 members around the world. Mm -hmm. So you know, probably most of the, most of the mentoring and the, and the knowledge and what happened, I would say I got from people. And 
probably from a peer group. From a peer group. And yeah. probably the biggest single motivator, no different than, you know, going to a rain and seeing how did that guy go and buy that many units is, is, you know, they have international conferences of which I've been to, you know, 40 international conferences around the world. And every time I'd go, you know, I'm sitting at the second night and we're having dinner and all of a sudden I'm listening to some guy from Morocco who's, you know, got a $50 million business and he's 30 years old. Yeah. It's like, how did you do it? Yeah. Right. And you go home and you feel like, man, am I ever, <laughs> am I ever snoozing? Right. Or yeah. so, so it, you know, to, to, you know, most of it is, you know, most of it is, is, is there's that. And then once you get into these good networks, it's, I guess it's really just connecting with people to sort of say, here's my roadblocks. What did you do to get over those? Yeah. Uh, and just not spending a lot of time worrying about the roadblocks, just kind of putting your head down. And, you know, the, the thing I find is people, I, don't, I, I find in most cases, I don't say no, I say yes. And then I find out more information. Yes. A lot of people I find they'll say no. And then all of a sudden, because the opportunity that exists very seldom exists in that first conversation. The first conversation isn't where the opportunity exists. The first conversation exists when you finally get into it all and you understand all the facts and you go, hey, this is a really great deal, but like, it's not a great deal at this price or it's not a great deal unless we do this, this, and this, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then you go, hey, I, I think we could do something, but we'd have to do it this yeah. way. So really, uh, you, you're a very big proponent, if I heard correctly, of expanding your network of hanging out with the people that expand and push you. Correct. Um, yeah, and I remember you sharing a story once that you were at one of the, the EO events and you were sitting there and a guy was beside you. He looked like he was really distracted and he was on his phone. And, and then all of a sudden you just kind of said, dude, like, and we're here. And he goes, oh yeah, I'm just having, my app is launching or something. And it was something like a $50 million launch or something. <laughs> yeah, he, he got, he had set up, he was the call-in phone number for- American Idol, For American, uh, the equivalent of American Idol yeah. in Spain or somewhere. Yeah. And his app went live and every time the phone rang, he got a penny. And in the course of sitting down for dinner, he had something like 900,000 calls had gone on his phone. Yeah. So now next thing you know, he's got the phone with the, with the, with the ringer turning over and he's yeah. passing it around the table and we're having a cheers every time it hits a new 100,000 level. Oh, that's so, an yeah. awful lot of cheers. But, but you turn around, you turn around and you go, my God. So yeah. your business is you make a penny every time somebody calls. Spain's American America's Got Talent. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Right? So well, and that's just expanding your network of people you hang out with. Right. Um, anyone you wanted to acknowledge has, has been someone special in your journey the, to this point? And God, I mean, just just so many, you know, just so many different people, just you know, different uh, you know, my partner Phil was yeah. a, you know, was incredible. Uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, every every you know, I I'd start and I'd literally go down company by company and yeah. name all the different people. But I, I, you know, I don't want to do that because chances are I'm going to forget people. Well, but, and you're much too humble to that. So. But, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, like, you know, the, the, there's, there's no, there's no success without a pile of people making it yeah. successful. And so, you know, that, that's, that's really the key in, in everything we've done. A um, couple final questions. Um, sorry if they're just way too out there and deep, but I, I just want to know, like, I, 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 truly believe in self-awareness is one of the most important skills that any person can have. Um, and I know you probably have thought a lot about this. Have you enjoyed the journey? Has this been, uh, uh, are, you, are you happy with what you've done so far? Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. I mean, I think, you know, again, if you're not having fun yeah. doing it, if you're, if you're not 
And probably the reason most people aren't having fun is that they're, is they're letting themselves get drawn into the parts of the job that they're not good at and they don't want to be doing, right? Yeah. It, you know, if you picked, if you were on a stage speaking four nights a week, you'd be in your absolute heaven, right? If you were doing your accounting 40 hours a week, you'd probably cut your wrists. So, so you know, to me, you know, right now, and then that's the benefit is I have the choice. I get to spend the vast majority of, the, of my time doing the things I do, that I want to be doing. And again, that's part of why I also create the system where I look at the things that I'm never going to do again and I, and I take them off my list. But you've had to probably, in order to get to that, you know, I'm going to call it a luxury of being able to choose what you want, when, where you want and do whatever you want. You've had to probably make some sacrifices along the way, right? Is that something that, or, or do you not look at it as that? Do you just look at that as the cost of tuition to get to where you want to get to? Yeah, I mean, for sure you do. There's no question. You know, you look back and you look, you, you look back at how hard you've worked at yep. different times in your life. And, you know, I mean, that's just, just the way it is, right? It's like, if, you, if you're going to do this and you think you're, it's just going to all be, it's all going to be roses, it's, you know, it's not. It's going to be some, it's going to be some tough times. And, you know, you surround yourself with people that can help you get through it. You're going to get, you're going to, yep. you're going to get through it. So any regrets you've had over this up to now? Nope. No, I don't. Uh, I mean, you know, I can tell you tons of real estate stories yep. that I wish I'd never sold. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but at the, at the, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you, you don't, you don't really get the choice of going back and looking at those things, right? Yep. It's, it's, uh, I wish we all had time machines. Yeah. But, but, but everything, everything has happened for a reason for you to shape who you are today. Totally. Wow. Um, so, so couple final things um, I want to offer you, and I've offered this a couple times, but I want to just reiterate, I always offer at the end of some gratitude. I just want to thank you for how you show up. And I want to thank you for your um, openness and willingness to share to, you know, here's an opportunity, guys, that we have of somebody who's done an incredible, um, an incredible result within real estate and you know, no slate here. You're just a normal guy. Right. No, like, there's no slate. You're, you're, you're like one of us. Like if you ever get a chance to sit and have a beer with Dave or sit and break bread, he, he jokes around you tell the, you know, it's just, you're, you're, you're like one of us and, and you have a gift of making us feel included. And you also have a gift of bringing out the laughter and the fun in everyone you meet. I just wanted to offer that to you. It's very kind. Thank you yeah. very much. Um, one last question I always leave off with this is if you were just and pick one of the three cameras, whichever one you wanted to have, if you were to give maybe somebody's a little stuck right now, or they're just maybe a little lost, maybe just some final parting wisdom for somebody and, and final inspiration to have somebody just uh, take the next step. Whew. Um, you know, breathe, enjoy it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, you know, Ask, ask, I, first step is really ask yourself, are you in the right space? Are you doing the right thing? Is this really what you want to be doing? Yep. And is there a big opportunity in front of you? Because there's not a big opportunity in front of you, then go spend some time. Finding opportunities is work. So if you turn around and you say, look, I don't know what I really want to be going and doing. If you go and put the same 20 hours a week in that you would, if you said, I'm going to go buy duplexes in Edmonton, and you got in your car and you drove for 20 hours a week in Edmonton, you would find duplexes in Edmonton. So if you put that same energy into just saying, what exactly is it I want to be doing? Do I want to be, 
do I want to be big in Victoria? Do I want to be, do I want to be big in, in Vaughan, Ontario? Like, like, you know, what is the product? What is the location? What do I want to be doing? Do I want to go raise money and lend it to people that are doing real estate deals? And I make 15% or 12% of my money. Like, what is the, what is that? And, and if you've got that, then if you've got that and you know it and you believe it in your heart and you've got proof that you can do it, then the plan to go and make it bigger is actually not very hard. The, the real question is making sure that the opportunity you have isn't a crappy little idea that you're trying to, you're trying to fan to make, to make something good. Yeah. And just being very intentional every step of the way. Right, right. right. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, where would be the best place to reach out? If you're, I know you're, you're, you're taking some time off. And you, yeah, no, you're, just, you're, just shoot me an email, dave at sign wcpg.ca. WCPG for Western Canadian Properties Group. Got it. Right. .ca by like California. Right. Yeah. And you can find them on, online. You're, you're all over the place. Totally. If, if they can't find you online, somebody's not doing their job. Right. <laughs> right. And just remember, everything you heard today is free advice. So if you don't like it, don't forget what you paid for. <laughs> 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 Well, Dave, thank you very much. And guys, um, you know what we do at the Raising Capital Academy. When you're listening to this, we acknowledge people that have given their time. So uh, be expecting some thank you cards probably coming in the mail. And, and I just wanted to thank you very much. Thank, thank you for your time. Okay, guys, till the next one. Bye for now. So what did you think about the the four episodes I chose to, you know, dip into the uh, tickle trunk of the archives to bring some inspiring message messages for you during this Christmas and New Year's time. Now, this will make no sense to you if you're listening to it in the middle of July, but these were launched uh, the, the week just prior to Christmas and the week between Christmas and New Year's on the 2023 season. And the four episodes that were um, being replayed here were unedited other than being remastered, resounded. Um, and I think they turned out fantastic. So gang, before I do sign off, <clears throat> there is a lot of um, crazy things that are happening in the marketplace around this time. Truly, the only way you can fail in this game of real estate, personal development, entrepreneurship, the, really the only way you can fail is if you quit. And we have a lot more information and a lot more inspiring episodes coming out into the new year. I have my famous, you know, maybe famous to me, maybe not famous for every one of you, but I do each year, I do a recap of the previous year. And I entitle, I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly, where I take a look at the past 12 months, what has happened, what's been good, what's been bad, and what's been the downright ugly that's coming out. I have some amazing, inspiring um, stories to share with you, some amazing, inspiring guests, some high-profile um, authors and influencers and experts in the space. And at the same time, there's some incredible opportunities that are out there right now. You know, you might not be feeling it in your marketplace, but every marketplace is a little bit different. There are some markets that are going into their real estate winter, and there are some markets that are just full on into a just starting of a real estate spring in its cycle, and it is they're ramping up. So all that being said, two things I want to just share with you here at the end is I wanted to just say, keep going. You've got this. You are stronger than you believe. And then the last one I want to share with you is I wanted to just Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. 
Thank you for just being a wonderful guest in the house of this podcast. I have said this many times. I don't take it lightly that you spend all this time and energy to listen to this podcast. And I don't want to disappoint you. I want to deliver something of high quality, high value. And that's why we brought out these four episodes for you to enjoy. All right, guys. Hope you had yourself a wonderful Christmas, wonderful New Year. I don't know about you, but if we're listening to this in 2024, let's kick some butt. All right, gang? And remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.